Welcome to Canada's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Schneider Electric, supporting Canadian businesses with innovative energy management and automation solutions. Schneider Electric, your digital partner for sustainability and efficiency. Hi, this is Angela Fay from Canada's podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to and welcome uh, the future thinkers. And we have an exciting lineup today from uh, UV Ivanova and Mike Gilliland. And uh, they're coming to us from British Columbia, Canada today. And uh, we're, we, we have an exciting uh, format because we're actually going to do two podcasts today. Uh, we are starting the conversation and giving you some information and expertise on NFTs and really the future of uh, you know digital currencies, what that means for us as entrepreneurs. The second part of the pod, we're going to do a second podcast, which is all about an exciting project that they are doing, which is village building. So first of all, we're going to stay focused on NFTs and, and seed currencies and crypto. But first of all, welcome, Mike and Yuvi. Tell me us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us. Sure. Um, well, I think Mike's entrepreneurial journey started <laughs> before me. He's been doing it since he was 18. Um, I started a little later in my 20s. And then we met uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, then pretty much took off traveling right away and uh, started building online businesses of all kinds. And we've done all sorts of things. You know, we've done media editing, we've done web design, you know, search engine optimization, marketing, I don't know, uh, building digital products, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then in 2013, we started our podcast, Future Thinkers, because we were traveling and, um, you know, our schedule was very flexible and we had lots of stories to tell and had lots of time to read books and kind of philosophize about life. So we started recording our morning conversations and publishing them and you know over time it grew into something bigger um but yeah uh our latest thing or maybe you want to chime in here sure well you know the exploration when we started traveling uh kind of inspired a lot of new directions in our entrepreneurial life and our personal life and uh, one thing we started paying a lot more attention to was culture and economies and technologies and psychology and sociology and how they all blend together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, the podcast actually has been in recent years, well, really since midway through, it's been about addressing existential problems on the planet. So, and not just, you know, wallowing in the pity and despair of the planet falling apart, but re really like what are the solutions? What can we actually do? And how can we get people involved at a grassroots level? And it just kept making itself evident to us over and over again for the last probably 10 years or more that um, redesigning how we live in, in society is sort of that key base level of change. And so it kind of starts with the village. So rethinking how we build and, and relate to each other within villages. Yeah. And so the NFT thing, how that comes into, into here is that um, currency is part of sort of the, the structure of how we live because currency makes us act in certain ways. Um, and currency design is really important. Um, so we, you know, we've been involved in the blockchain space for a long time. You know, I think we bought some Bitcoin in like 2013 or 14 initially. Um, but recently, the NFT space has has become this new 
sort of invention in the crypto blockchain space. And the, to me, the cool thing about NFT, so NFT stands for non-fungible token. And so the difference here is that, um, you know, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum are fungible, which means one is mm-hmm. indistinguishable from another. You can swap the two, it doesn't matter. Same as dollars, you know, you give me a dollar, I give you a dollar back, there's no difference. But NFTs, they're non-fungible, which means each one is somehow unique, kind of like people, you know, each one is has its own unique properties and, <laughs> and they're not interchangeable. So um, it, it presents a whole array of new options. And, and the thing is that NFT specifically, they are uh, blockchain objects. So they are programmable. You can verify who owns it and it's transparent. You can mm-hmm. check on the blockchain and you can verify its rarity. So, you know, uh, it would be very hard to, uh, to forge a fake one. So that presents a whole, you know, array of things you can do with them. You can use them as uh, identity proof. You can use them as tickets. You can use them as IOUs for services that are verified. You know, like you can sell, uh, for example, some specific type of wine with it that it's like verified by this producer. Um, yeah, there are just so many use cases for it. And I, uh, I have start. a question about the evolution of the concept of an M. NT, NFT, sorry, because suddenly it's everywhere in the news, right? Because we, you know, there's a couple of big digital products that sold for multi-million dollars. I, my question is, what differentiates an NFT from, say, a label on a wine, as as you suggested, or verifying its source, or a, um, you know, a physical piece of artwork or a physical product that, you know, is, uh, you know, in 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 art, at least, usually there's, you know, an original or there's, um, you know, copies of and one of a hundred and there's limited edition prints and things like that. So what is the difference between those physical things in the world and an NFT specifically? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's really the key trait of blockchains. It's that mm-hmm. you've you've made something that was up until recently um, copyable. Uh, easily transmittable um, without, you know, you could pirate things and suddenly you've made a rare digital asset. So it's verifiably rare, unique, and it's still just as transferable, just as liquid, just as fast to move as any other digital asset. But now it's verifiably unique. Yeah. And you can verify that it was produced by the specific artist. Right. And and so when um, it's, I know for some people, this is going to be a little bit of a hard to imagine. I, I, I will look at your NFTs, I think, later um, and async, but could you give me an example of uh, different sectors of the industry or di- different sectors that could use NFTs? Uh, so let's just talk about a couple of possible case studies outside of your project, because we're going to do a whole entire feature on that. Sure. Yeah, I think actually NFTs are incredibly versatile. I think that they are going to be revolutionary for creators and entrepreneurs of all kinds. I actually don't think that there's any industry limitations. It's, the limitation is your own creative imagination, really. It's it's such a versatile technology that anybody could use it. Um, it's great for any kind of limited edition runs of anything. That would be sort of the most obvious application. But then you could also use it for tickets. You know, again, limited edition tickets, provable that it was from this specific event, and then people could keep it as memorabilia as well. 
So it could even have some value on secondary markets after it's been used. Um, and then you can program things into them. So you can build in royalties, for example. So anytime that it sells on the secondary market, the initial creator gets paid. So it's great for, you know, musicians and artists and, but anybody as well, you know, like I said, winemakers or shoemakers or um, any maker of any kind. Yeah. Well, and, and I know only because you're foring down there, there was, uh, um, you know, an application in accommodation, let's say. So we've got events as a great example, limited edition tickets. Uh, you know, I, I, my, one of my questions, just looking at the ticket idea is, you know, we used to go on Eventbrite and create our own tickets, or we used to, you know, go on to Ticketmaster for example, to buy tickets to something, how would a person actually acquire an NFT to say, attend an event? It's super easy, actually. I mean, the initial setup for anyone not used to like having any cryptocurrency might be a little bit of a, a hill to climb, but once you get over that hill and you understand how it works, it's really, mm -hmm. really easy. So I have a wallet address where all of my uh, NFTs live and um, I've put them up on a marketplace. And if you want to buy one of them, you just you know, go to just like any other kind of e-commerce store. You go to the purchase page, you press the purchase button, you send Ether to the wallet address, and then it's automatically sent to your same wallet where you sent the money from. And then it's associated with your account from there. Yeah. Okay, so just, just for fun, let's assume, I have a wallet and I have a couple of different wallets. So I'm already sort of in, in digital currency space. But if we could like talk somebody through the first step of going, I wall where do I find out what a wallet is and how do I get into the digital space? What would be Mike and UV's advice on where to start from, from scratch? Um, Arcane is a good website. I think it's arcane.technology. Um, I might be wrong about the, the last part, but just do a Google search for Arcane wallet. And what they do is facilitate, they'll, they'll help you start your wallet and then you can use a credit card to purchase any cryptocurrencies out there. And then once your cryptocurrency is in the wallet, the, the tra transaction's complete, you can do whatever you want with it. You can buy goods, services, you can invest in NFTs, anything you want. Yeah. And then another way to, to go about it would be to get a, an account at an exchange. And so for Canadians, um, BitBuy is a good exchange. Kraken also accepts Canadian bank accounts. Um, I think those are probably the best too. I know Binance has recently got integration with Canadian accounts. But uh, their uh, kind of verification process is a bit longer and more complicated. Um, and that's just, I just wanted to touch on, because uh, the physicality of these platforms is no different than, say, the physicality of a bank. Is that, that's how I interpret it? Like walking into a Kraken, and I say walking, obviously, digitally, but walk, get it, opening a Kraken account or a uh, BitBuy is the same as opening a bank account and you go through, just like at a bank, they validate who you are. You have to show ID, you know, it's the same process of opening a bank account as opening a, an account with one of these platforms. And then they give you a wallet. It's true. And there are also, also other options if you want to go with decentralized exchanges, um, because okay. really the, the, Benefit with the exchanges is liquidity. If you want to sell or buy into a cryptocurrency, it's it's fast, it's easy, it's um, there's lots of instant. volume available. Yeah, yeah, but um, then you're also because these exchanges are centralized, and you're you're kind of the Canadian government has got their 
hands in everyone's pockets um, in these exchanges. So, you know, that you will be taxed on it and it's very transparent for the government to see. So there's, uh, yeah, we're getting into gray area here, but there are decentralized <laughs> exchanges. If you and that's know. okay. I think it's important to understand that, you know, that it's, there is some mechanisms of safety and security in the system. And, you know, in, in Canada in particular, we're a little bit conservative. So yes, some of those exchanges are um, influenced by policy. Yes. Uh, what would be an example of a decentralized uh, system? Um, we don't really, we haven't really played around with them much. We just are aware of them. Um, I don't really, yeah, we, I mean, we've, we've like, been in the crypto economy for a while and, and kind of charged clients through crypto cool. so we haven't really needed to exchange anything or like buy more cryptocurrency and we've already got memberships to some of the main uh exchanges but you could definitely look that up just decentralized exchange and one of the things that uh, i know i've heard people externally talk about who are maybe a little bit resistant to getting into crypto is you know there's the technical understanding but there's also the question, you know, well, how do I buy my groceries or pay my rent with cryptocurrency? Um, what's your first take on, on a response to functioning in society, but with the crypto? Yeah. So we actually lived on crypto for about two years, maybe longer. Um, and what we had to do was buy and sell uh, cash um, using cryptocurrency. So we, there are okay. different websites. You can look for people that, that want to buy into cryptocurrency and they'll show up and give you cash and you make the transaction right there. So that's one way. Going through the legitimate route with exchanges that deposit money into your bank is another way. As far as buying goods, um, we're in this weird transitionary period with cryptocurrency. We're removing from this very slow, expensive, um, cumbersome, environmentally not very friendly uh, model of validating the transactions into a, a new model where suddenly everything's going to be a lot faster, a lot cheaper, and it won't have the energy consumption that, say, Bitcoin does. Bitcoin's right. probably never going to change. So bit Bitcoin is basically never going to be valid for daily use, ever. That's it not will, what it's designed for anyway. Yeah, it's more of a store of value. So just like yes. you would have a, yes. a brick of gold that you, you know, you invest in gold, you're not going to like go to the supermarket and shave off a chunk of your gold brick and give it to, you know, this teller. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, it's expensive to move it and time consuming. And yeah, it's a mm -hmm. problem. So there are new cryptocurrencies coming along. The second most popular cryptocurrency, Ethereum, is moving to a different model, which will make it a lot more viable for day to day transactions. And that's coming within months. So we're going to see a bit of a revolution this year in cryptocurrencies. At Schneider Electric, we empower Canadian businesses to utilize energy and resources efficiently. Schneider Electric, the future of energy. So I want to tap into your uh, future thinking on that. And, and But I just want to kind of summarize that um, for the average person, understanding the difference between a digital currency that is an asset and then a digital currency that is more of a, a medium of exchange. And be mindful of that as you're looking at your options. Uh, I would love to just harness both of both of your um, your ideas on what's going to happen in five or ten years in the currency space, and what's going to get left behind. 
I love this question. Um, we've been fortunate enough with the podcast to be at the center of a lot of this kind of conversation about innovation with cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to check out some of those episodes, I'd recommend the one we did with Vince Means. We interviewed Vitalik Buterin, who is the founder of Ethereum, mm-hmm. um, who is impossible to get now. Um, yeah. We got him kind of early on. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that are not really fully understood about cryptocurrency that go beyond money. Um, cryptocurrency is programmable and it can be used to organize decentralized groups of people to make collective decisions and invest in certain projects. And there's this term called a DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. It's a collection of people that don't necessarily have to know each other who can make collective decisions on what to do with pools of money. And so they can invest in projects and they can you know, invest in social good kind of projects, all kinds of things. And so there are mechanisms for them to come to a consensus that don't necessarily exist in our political landscape or in our, you know, any of our voting systems. There, there's a whole lot of innovation happening when it comes to governance and um, decentralized decision making that is going to be totally revolutionary. And I imagine within the next five years, uh, the vast majority of people will be participating in some form or another in a DAO and deciding on how funds are pooled and and spent. It's like, it would be like the government just suddenly gave you voting power over what to do with tax dollars. Yes. And yeah, it's a a pretty interesting possibility for revolution and, and, and like grassroots organization. Yeah, and it doesn't just have to do with managing money. DAOs can manage all sorts of things. They can manage, they can manage non-monetary decisions. For example, you could decide like, do we want this, you know, bridge built here or is it going to cause too much environmental disruption? Maybe we should we should build it over here. And then you're able to, you know, take decisions from all the people who care about the subject and and weigh them in different ways and have like different people have more decision making power or less depending on their level of expertise, for example. Um mm-hmm. so there's different different ways that DAOs can function outside of just financial stuff. And you can delegate your decision making, your voting power too. So, say I have a friend who is an expert in um, road building. I don't know anything about that, so I want to transfer my road building tokens to him so that he has more power to vote. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting because I, I part of my motivation for having this podcast with you guys is you have, uh, and you've been kind of at the forefront of this future thinking for a long time, and uh, the. I just, I describe it as deceptive, meaning, you know, there's talk and then a few things make a headline, you, you know, the, the, the early adopters in digital currencies well and truly have got 10 years experience under their belt. Now it's becoming more mainstream, but I actually think the, the volume of deception has not yet been realized. I think, like you said, that the decentralization of decision-making and economies are not very far away. And so why I wanted to bring this forward for the entrepreneurial community in Canada is, you know, what it, you need to be aware of it, or you're going to be disrupted. You need to be part of the disruption or you're going to be disrupted. So from your perspective, after today, when, you know, we've talked about NFTs, we've talked about things like NFTs, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies, like seed tokens, and functioning for fundraising and trading and asset collection. 
just, you know, decentralized autonomous organizations. What advice would you give to anybody who's in business today as an entrepreneur, even in a small business, to say, you need to be aware of these three things and you need to take these three actions and maybe by a, a given time frame? Uh, for businesses, there there's not a ton I can think of aside from just accept cryptocurrency. Like, do some research on which cryptocurrencies you can accept, and and be kind of quick about liquidating those that cryptocurrency. Like, if you sell a product, tr- liquidate it pretty quickly because cryptocurrencies function uh, fluctuate so much so quickly. Right. So, you know, what you sold for five dollars could be worth. 10 cents within a 24 hour period. And then you still have to deliver your product. And by the time it gets to them, you know, you've, you've lost a lot of money. So be fast when you're accepting cryptocurrency and liquidating it, unless you're tolerant to the risk of it going up or down. Um, I think the big, there's, there's another sort of opportunity here where you could potentially decentralize your company and give your community a bit of a say in how things are operated and, and the ownership of it. Um, if you're already a well-established business, there's not a whole lot of incentive really to do that. But for new businesses starting up, I think decentralized organizations are going to have an insane um, competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, just because of the the mass collective intelligence and coordination that is possible through those mechanisms, as opposed to this top-down command control, CEO dictates everything and that sort of thing. It's a, a decentralized organizations are a lot more agile. Um, The other thing that I think is useful for people is, well, maybe not useful, but uh, something I care deeply about is political action when it comes to how cryptocurrencies are interpreted by governments. Um, Governments are getting kind of greedy when when it comes to cryptocurrencies and recognizing this opportunity being lost and wanting to, you know, grab new tax, like basically it's a criminal endeavor until it's taxable and suddenly it's okay. <laughs> right. Um, yes. So, but they need to be careful about how they interpret cryptocurrencies because they're not just money. They are voting rights. They are membership, membership. They're, all, memberships. they're <laughs> yes. all kinds of different things. And if you interpret them all with this blanket judgment of it's a currency, you're going to, first of all, you're either going to wreck innovation in your space, which is this massive lost asset if you wreck the innovation. Or secondly, you're going to drive uh, back channels and um, mm-hmm. innovation in secretive technologies and stuff like that. You're going to basically like force people to go underground and create, you know, black markets of cryptocurrencies. And it's so easy to do that that it'd be so much better if governments just took a, a stance of adoption and acceptance and and looked at the long game of we're making our country competitive with other countries by having more people invest in our country and, and places like Estonia and um, what else? I think they're, they're didn't of, El Salvador just come out and say they're yep. accepting Bitcoin, right? That's right. As, I mean, yeah. that's the right approach because you're gonna yep. attract innovation and entrepreneurship and money from all over the globe if you do that, rather than take this just short-term greedy perspective on it. And I think part of it is just ignorance. They don't understand the difference between all the different currencies. Like it's it's not just money or assets. There's like a thousand different things that it could be. It's just, you know, programmable digital uh, objects. Just think think of it as programmable digital objects. So they could be so many different things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if they just hired one consultant to, <laughs> to help them form this policy, it would make things a it lot better. It could be better. disastrous in so many different ways. 
Well, and I'm going to say there's, there's lots of coaches out there that are, you know, specialists in this field that uh, help people get from, you know, where we are today to where we need to be in, in, in short periods of time. One, one question I have for you, and I'll, I'll direct it to you, Yuvi. What do you think is, I, I mean, you said ignorance, but is there any other barriers from your perception and the work and the conversations that you've had that we need to be aware of that we can overcome in order to allow the future to unfold? Kind of a, a backing up and being a little more general, like people need to stop reading headlines and start actually trying to understand. And it kind of follows from my my previous statement. Like people just see headlines like, oh, Bitcoin's bad for the environment. And they just like, okay, no more information needed. Right. You know, la, 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 la. <laughs> and then like, you know, people have messaged us and said, oh, I heard that NFTs are bad for the environment. But like, you know, they, they haven't investigated any further. Um, and it it actually prevents innovation and it prevents these amazing new technologies from from being adopted because there's suddenly this huge resistance to them. Um, you know, Ethereum, for example, is the main platform for NFTs. They're planning to move to a different consensus algorithm this year. Um, so currently it's under proof of work, which uses a lot of computation power, use, produces a lot of heat and needs a lot of energy to run. But they're switching over to proof of stake, which means that it's not going to be um, the transactions are not going to be validated by these huge mining farms that have a ton of you know video cards running in a in a mm -hmm. freezer uh, and using a lot of energy. It's just going to be you know no cell phones, cell phones and laptops. So it's you know going to the energy consumption is going to go down by ninety nine point nine percent, and that's it's coming. It's already planned. Um, Absolutely. So. You know, well, that, that conversation is not going to be relevant in a few months. <laughs> and and just touching, I'm just going to touch on seed tokens uh, specifically because it's a it, it's a cryptocurrency, from my understanding, that has a very strong basis in regenerative futures, and that's something yes. uh, and a value that I know we share. So, Mike, you're laughing already. Did I get that wrong? Or well, well, there's a funny, there's a bit of a branding problem, which is our own fault. There's a company um, called We Are Seeds, and they are seeking, it's funny, because they're seeking to do the this sort of like regenerative platform of helping villages to have a creator economy, and and their token is called Seeds. And we're doing something different. And our so, but the confusion is there because we're actually partners with them in some ways. And we, we've actually worked with them. So we've done content together out there. So there's some confusion about like the difference between what we're doing. Our, our NFT is called a seed. Ah. And yeah, so there's the confusion there. So um, ours is different. It's not doing the same thing. It's basically the kind of access key to the village. Um, to the village decentralized economy. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to talk about that. I would like to wrap up the conversation on NFTs. Is there anything uh, else uh, and other than listening to your podcast as well? And you brought up a couple that we should uh, listen to for more information. But is there any lasting sentiments that you'd love to share with, you know, the Canadian or in fact, we have a global audience here at Canada's podcast, but the global audience of entrepreneurs listening. I, I would just be really happy if people came away from this conversation with a lot of light bulb moments about what is possible if you can program money, if you can decentralize money, if you can represent uh, the trading of physical goods in NFTs. Like the, the, and 
what is possible with the sharing economy and with new economies that are kind of coming up now. Um, there, there was sort of a light bulb moment for me, and I think we even have it on record when we were talking to Vince Means in the podcast episode that we did with him, where he was talking about tokenizing trees and having this ability to um, you know, invest in environmental projects and have a return on investment from it. So yeah, there's, there's sort of like a lot of possibility that people are just starting to realize now. Awesome. UV? Um, well, you asked like what sort of things would entrepreneurs would want to learn about that would be beneficial. I think actually most immediately, uh, DAOs, I, I think, are a little bit further into the future, but NFTs are very immediate. Like the technology is already there. It already exists. The platforms are quite user friendly. Like, you know, maybe people who are really bad with computers would struggle. But, you know, an average millennial, I think, would be completely fine. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you don't need programming experience to make NFTs. Um, awesome. So, so maybe we leave everybody with the challenge of uh, developing their first NFT. Yeah, that would be a great challenge. <laughs> that would be a great challenge. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it has been a pleasure. I, uh, I, I'm not wrapping up the conversation. We're going to re-pivot into the village building, but I wanted to close off today's podcast uh, with some, you know, understanding that today was intentionally talking about seeds and, and getting people primed to get into the cryptocurrency market using some, some easy access tools. So Mike, Yuvi, thank you for joining us today. And I know we are at futurethinkers.org. Is that the best way to get a hold of you post-podcast today? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. And if you want to check out the seed project that we're doing, the, the village project, you can just add NFT to the end of it. If you want to check out the village, just add village to the end of it. Yeah. Futurethinkers.org slash village. Slash village or slash NFT. Mm -hmm. Awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having Thank us. You. This podcast is brought to you by Schneider Electric, supporting Canadian businesses with innovative energy management and automation solutions. Schneider Electric, your digital partner for sustainability and efficiency.